service again and just thank you for the opportunity to preach. And don't let that scare you because we're looking into two chapters. Amen? Everything's going to be just fine. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start there, but just for context purposes, we'll need to look at some of chapter 3 today too. And the title of the message, by the way, how many of y'all need a worship guide? Who needs a worship guide? If you need a worship guide... Uh, keep your hands up. Ushers, if we could get everyone, keep your hands up. Yes, it would be good to get everybody one of those to follow along with today. I almost forgot to do that this morning, so uh, we'll do that, and that would be great. Keep your hands up. That would be awesome. And uh, the name of the message today <clears throat> is Peace in Troubled Times. Peace in Troubled Times. Now, before we get to that, Preacher's been taking every Sunday and doing this 25-year anniversary thing, and he's doing his pictures and photographs and and I don't have any of that today. I ain't got no pictures, amen? No photographs. But I got a funny story. Y'all want to hear a funny story? Yeah. Amen. We'll start with a little humor today because it ain't going to be very funny after that, amen? <clears throat> but let me tell you something. My wife and I joined the church about nine months after it started. I believe the church started in June of 92. And, and uh, I think we joined in like March or April of 93. I, my job had moved me here. Preacher and I knew each other uh, from high school. We competed against each other in basketball. And we never beat them. Man, I just hate it. Tony's here and he knows it. Maranatha never beat Hot Springs. Man, it just made me some. I didn't even like him, amen. I don't even know how I wound up here. But uh, <clears throat> we could never beat Hot Springs Baptist or Christian Academy. But uh, anyway. I'm going to get over that, amen? But we came, and I said, yeah, Brother Eric, we'll, we'll come visit. He had just started the church over on 3rd and South. And the first Sunday we, we came, they didn't even have the services there. Some of y'all that have been around a while, remember y'all had big days. Remember the big days, the programs? I think they lasted six or eight weeks, and then the, they would culminate into a big day. And so we actually, our first service to visit was on a big day, and it was not even at that property it was at a school or something i don't even remember where it was but what i do remember is this now now brother eric in the in the beginning in the early days i just like to use the term he was pretty raw amen <clears throat> he would say anything and, and all, i don't really know how to say this but a lady got saved in that service my wife and i are sitting back there at the time we only had garrett and uh, he was a baby, so he, we were by ourselves in the service, and and uh, this lady got saved. And man, there ain't no other way to say it. She was ugly. Amen. I'm sorry. I just, I mean, there ain't no other way to say it. She just wasn't very pretty. And uh, he's got his arm around her, and he's standing there with this lady that's not very pretty. And and he said, uh, "Now, folks, I'm not going to say her name. God help. I hope she's not here. Amen." <clears throat> He said, now, folks, some of y'all remember this if y'all were there. He said, uh, keep in mind, this is my first service. He said, uh, she got saved today. He called her name. She got saved today. Man, I'm so excited. She got saved. Isn't it exciting when someone gets saved at your church? And He said, I just can't believe what God's done today in her life. He said, now, she ain't much to look at. Oh, yeah, he said it. <clears throat> some of y'all remember, Marsha remembers it. I looked over at my wife. I said, there ain't no way I'm joining this church. No way. He said, but God loves her. Man, when he said she ain't much, look at her old head dropped. Man, she is depressed. He said, but God, preachers, he's the greatest salesman I've ever met. He said, but God loves her. Changed her life. She's got a home in heaven. None of that matters. God loves this lady. Man, she started smiling again. He said, now, our son's in jail today. Man, that old head dropped again. He said, but God changed her life. None of that matters anymore. Man, she beamed right back up. He said, now, she'll never give a dime to this church. She ain't got no money. I le again, I leaned over to Sonia and said, we are not joining this church. But God loves this lady. He created her just like she is. I could, he said, I could care less if she ever gives a dime to this. I just want her to be a part of our church family. Man, she started smiling again. I finally looked over at Sonia. I said, you know what? I've got to join this church. 
Because anybody that can talk about someone like that in front of the whole church and they still want to be a part, man, I, got, I can't wait till next Sunday, amen? That's, that's my funny gospel, and that's true. And he, I asked him if I could tell that, by the way, amen? He gave me permission to tell that. And, I, boy, I got a hundred of those. I can't even, we ain't got time. I remember one time, I'll tell you one quick one. Carl Delaney, who's in heaven now, was in charge of our bus activities. My, again, this was my first week to help on the buses. I drove a bus. And, and by the way, we broke all kinds of laws back then. Amen. I didn't have no CDL. I guess I could just drive. Amen. And, and I, know, I know there was a lot more than capacity allowed on my bus, too. I kept checking, hey, is this too many? No, bring them on. It don't matter. And uh, we took the kids horseback riding. And by the time we got the buses out there, and this is just kind of funny, it's not really a story, there was 450 kids walks up to this guy's farm that Carl had set this up with. And y'all got to know Carl, he never done anything just right. And that man had two horses. I said, Carl, this guy ain't got but two horses, man. My last remembrance of that day was a horse trotting across a hill out there with eight kids on the back and one on each leg going across the... Man, we wore them horses out, amen. We weren't invited back either. Peace in troubled times. Peace in troubled times. Before we get into the message today and read the passage, let me just say this. We're living in a world that has no peace. No peace in our world. You don't have to watch TV for five minutes and, and they're talking about the restlessness of our world, the lack of peace in people's lives. But here's, here's really what, and, and by the way, I'm going to tell you in just a minute that it's impossible to have spiritual peace until you get saved. But, but I do want to say this. Even as a believer, you can lose your peace not like salvation. Hey, church, peace ain't like salvation. You can lose your peace. And I, I'm going to give you that today. Let's read in Philippians 4, starting out in verse 4, the Apostle Paul here speaking to the church at Philippi. And in chapters 3 and 4, he is urging them on to live a spiritual life, just like he always did. He's urging them on to know God in a deeper way, to grow. We'll see that he uses the word perfected more than once. He's challenging God's people. This message is really for God's people. And then he says in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, a very familiar passage. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And, he says, after you've done these things, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul gives us really here a, a formula. A, I believe God puts things in order for a reason in his word. I really, I'm big on that. And, and I believe that this thing of spiritual peace, while it is available to all believers... I believe there's some, some things in here we've got to take a look at today in our own personal life. And he gives us kind of a, a laundry list there, if you would, of, of things. Now, on your foundational, let me give you the foundational thoughts in your worship guide. We'll get through that and then before we dive into the message. Number one, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, very familiar passage, we find that the fruit of the Spirit is what, church? Is love. Is joy, is peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we, we find out the first thing this morning, I just want to hone in on and lay a foundation for the message. Peace is a product of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? It's a fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Bible says in, that, in Galatians, another book that Paul wrote. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's how come, hey, 
You can't be saved and have spiritual peace. You've you got to be saved to have spiritual peace because it's a product of the Spirit. It's not something we can generate. It's not something that we can manifest. It's not, hey, you don't get up every day and say, I think I'll have peace today. That's not how it works. No, it's a, it's a product of the Holy Spirit. And, and I like to say it like this, and we'll look at joy in a minute too, but, but peace is, is not the result of you desiring something as much as it is a product of a life devoted to God. I believe that's the, the secret to peace. And so you can't just, you can't just get it. It's a product of the Spirit. And, and the, by the way, the Bible says those characteristics of the Spirit. It don't, say the, it don't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. It's singular. Because all those things that he lists there are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And if you're, listen, if you're saved today, you may be stronger in one area than another, but one day it would be good for you to study that list because all nine of those should well up in our life as a believer. They really should. They're all characteristics. Secondly, in your foundational thoughts is peace is reserved for the redeemed. Hallelujah. It's reserved for the saved. I said it a while ago. You cannot have peace until you have Jesus. Amen? It's reserved for the saved. It's reserved for those who know God as their Savior. And while it's available to all, it's reserved for the saved. Keep that in mind today as we go through the, through the message. It's a product of the Spirit, and it's reserved for the redeemed. Thank God for peace. But, before we get into the meat of the message, like I said earlier, a lot of God's people today have no peace in their life. I know, I've counseled them. I've had them sit down in front of me and say, Preacher, the fact of the matter is, there's just no joy and no peace in my life anymore. Hey, Brother Butch, you mean as a Christian I can lose my peace? Yes. Yes. Now, he gives us some things in this chapter that will help us. And we all need to take a look at each one of these things and search our hearts today. And I have to as mine as well because some of this stuff in here I struggle with. So let's look at it and let's be honest with ourselves today. But if you're here today and you're not saved, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've never been convicted of your sin and drawn to a place of repentance, I want you to know you, you can't have peace till you do that because it's reserved for the redeemed. Number one, four things necessary, I believe, to have the peace of God in your life. Number one is a heart that rejoices. A heart that rejoices. He tells us in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In chapter 3, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So two times in those two chapters, Paul is, is urging the church at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord and, and to have joy in their life. So my question to you today as we get into the, the meat of the message is this. How's your joy? How's your joy today? I believe a heart that rejoices is one of the things that precedes a peace that passes understanding. So how's your joy? He tells the church two different times to rejoice in the Lord. He's reminding the church that a heart full of joy is not just needed, but it is required to sustain a body of believers or a Christian life to ultimately acquire a peace that passes understanding. So how's your joy today? See, I think joy is like peace. Just because you're saved don't mean you have it. You know, I said earlier, you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy. You can. David tells us in Psalm, restore the joy of my salvation. Uh, many times there's examples in Scripture of, of God's called chosen with no joy in their life. How's yours today? Examine your life today. How's your joy? The Bible teaches it. It's almost like faith. You can have different measures of it. You can have it. Hey, can you remember a time when your, when your joy was running over? 
I can remember some times like that. The Bible talks about it being full and His joy remaining in us and, and it running over. Or if you were honest today, would you have to say, Brother Butch, my joy level is just kind of in the middle. Or maybe if you're honest today, you'd say, Preacher, I'm running on fumes. Man, this, this rat race of life is like it does, amen, has got my joy level down. Hey, how's yours today? Because the Apostle Paul tells us that, hey, to have the peace that passes understanding, I believe is preceded with a joy that's unspeakable. We must learn to rejoice, though, church, in the right things. Paul said twice, we are to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Hey, we got to learn to rejoice in the Lord. If you want to get this joy thing right, I think it begins with you and I learning to rejoice in the right things. Before we can have joy, we must do it in the right things. So I want to give you some things. It's not even in your notes. Let me get my sheet out here. All of it's not in your notes. So I'm going to give you some things on how you can cultivate this thing of joy in your life. Let me go ahead and give you the two notes under a heart that rejoices, and then we'll speak on this. The first note under that point one is this. Joy is strongly connected to peace and is not tied to our circumstances, but it's grown in a life that gives value in knowing God. Secondly, joy grows in our life as we renounce the flesh, surrender to the Spirit, and recognize the value of the cost. I believe Paul teaches that in chapter 3. Here we find the Apostle Paul, if you'll look in chapter 3, starting for the sake of time, starting in verse 5, Paul begins to give us all the things that he has accomplished in his life, hey, as a Pharisee. He gives us a a list of things that, that used to be important to him, that used to matter to him things that he used to try to find his joy in, but he never did. And and today, before we can really... Hey, listen, before we can really have joy, there might be some things we need to get rid of. You might need to look at your life today and say, you know what, before I can really have the joy of Christ fully in my life, and all about y'all, I want the full joy of Jesus, amen? This half-hearted Christian living ain't no fun. I want it all. I want the full level. I want the overflowing level. But the fact is, a lot of us don't have it. And I think it starts with the fact that there's some things that have to be removed. And what does Paul tell us? Well, look in verse 5 of chapter 3. Man, this was quite a guy. Hey, even before he was saved, man, this, this guy was right as far as the law went. This guy would have been respected. I mean, he would have been admired. You would have had a hard time finding anybody to say something bad about Saul before he became Paul. Well, let's just look. Verse 5 says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Man, Paul, he, he, he tells the church here at Philippi, man, I used to try to find joy in these things. I used to try to find my fulfillment in these things. He, he mentions his pedigree of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of... Ben- he starts mentioning the fact that back in the carnal days... And by the way, church, the law and Phariseeism is carnal. Amen? It's carnal. He, he mentions that back in those days, he tried to find his joy in his pedigree. That's who he was. Hey, could I tell you this morning, you're not going to find joy in who you are. You're not going to find joy. The Bible says you and I are the same. We're just sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? That's who we are. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Hey, I'm here to tell you this morning, we're not going to find joy by investing just in ourselves and who we are and looking at our pedigree and our accomplishments. The Apostle Paul here had a list of great accomplishments, but he's telling us today there's no joy in that. There's no joy in that. What else does he say? He said, I find joy in my goodness, or he tried to. Then he talked about blamelessness. 
persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, a Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Not only in who he was, he talked about his good works. And I got news for you, you're not going to find joy in your, you're not going to find spiritual joy in, in your career. You're not going to find spiritual joy in your accomplishments. It's only in Jesus. Joy can only be found in Christ. Paul said, I tried to find it in my zealousness, in the fact that I kept the law, that I was blameless, but you're not going to find joy in your zealousness. Hey, I wrote this down as far as zealousness. Enthusiasm, listen, now get this one. Enthusiasm is a good imposter for joy. Amen? You see, you can be enthusiastic about the wrong things. Amen? I'll never forget Dr. Tom Williams one time was preaching. He was talking about going on vacation up in the mountains of Montana. He'd been preaching for several months and needed a break. So he went to Montana. At a, he had a cabin. And he went to Montana. And he was up there a couple of weeks just getting some rest, some solitude. And Man, he said, he said about the second week, he said, man, this cabin was like two miles down a gravel road in the mountains of Montana. Nobody was there but him. And he heard a knock on his door, and, and he went and opened the door, and it was two Jehovah's Witness. God, had found that man's cabin. You know, the fact is, they've got more zeal than most Baptists. But you know what? Zealousness and sincerity. You, doubt, you think for one minute he doubted their sincerity or their zeal? Hey, the things that they were trying to put their joy in. But church, listen to me. Your zeal and your sincerity will get you nowhere with God. You've got to find your joy in Jesus. That's the only place you can find it. Paul said, I tried to find it in my heritage, in my pedigree, in my zeal. Paul said, I tried to find it in my goodness. The Bible says that he was blameless. That's what people thought about him. The Bible says he was blameless. You couldn't find anybody say a bad word about Saul. He was blameless, without reproach. But you can't find joy in that. You can't find joy in that. Church, I'm telling you today, hey, if your joy level's running low, you might need to get rid of some of the things you're trying to find joy in. You might need to look at your life today and say, Where, where's my attention? Where's my focus? What am I trying to find joy in? And happiness in. What am I trying to pursue joy in? And learn today as the Apostle Paul teaches us that real joy, hey, fulfilling and overflowing joy will come as you make the decision to transfer your focus from the carnal, from legalism, from the law, from his accomplishments to Jesus and Jesus alone. That's where you find joy. There has to be a, a transfer of focus from the carnal. For Paul, it was a transfer of focus from the carnal to the spiritual. Remember, joy is a spiritual product. There has to be that in your life. And you can be saved and still focus on the carnal. So how's your joy today? But I got news for you. If you're saved and you're focusing on the carnal, you won't have any joy in your life. Won't. How's your joy today? If you were honest today and we could peer in your heart, would we see your joy level high or low or just kind of mediocre? How's yours today? You see, you can't cultivate a heart of rejoicing in what people think about you or your accomplishments or your pedigree. Paul said, hey, these things that I used to count for gain, I only count for loss now. I counted them as loss. He said in verse 7 of chapter 3, but what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Isn't it amazing how much time we invest in things that we're trying to find joy in? And, and the Apostle Paul reminds us that most, hey, most of the things we're involved in, we can just count as loss for Christ. If we're honest... Hey, what are we doing today that counts for Christ? Church, we better, hey, we better get serious about the spiritual. We better get serious about focusing on the spiritual and, and transferring our focus from the carnal to the spiritual or we're never going to have that level of joy that God wants us to have.
God, I want a level of joy that tells people that I'm a Christian, whether I say a word or not. That just through my actions, just through my attitude, just through my, hey, just through the way I carry myself. We live in a world today that is lacking in seeing Christians today full of joy. Are you full of joy today or no? I believe it starts with that. Paul said in verse 7, I counted them lost. And then he says this in verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, church, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, I'm willing to give it all up. My legalism, my standing in the community, hey, I'm willing to give it all up just to know you more, Lord, to be found in you. He said to win you. Hey, when's the last time you really desired to know Jesus in a deeper way? See, for some of us, the pinnacle of our Christian life, and don't get me wrong, is the day we get saved. When in reality, that should just be the beginning. Man, we get saved and we rest on that, don't we? And I'm glad I'm saved today. But God, hey church, God wants to know us in a deeper way. Some of you know Him as Savior, but have you ever known Him as Sustainer? Some of you know Him as Savior, but have you ever known Him as Healer? Some of you know Him as Savior, but have you ever known Him as, as a faith giver? God wants to know you more, and He wants you to know Him more. Hey, Paul said, I had to transfer my focus from the carnal to the spiritual. There's a deeper way, a way out there to know God. He said, and I'm willing to give it all up just to know Him in a deeper way. God pulled him out of the trap of legalism, out of the bondage of the law, and set him free. And you know what, church? God has set you and I free too. Amen? He set us free. For me, he pulled my whole family out of a life of alcohol and no faith. And just literally, both sides of my family, it was all about drinking and tobacco. And I know that's not the greatest sin in the world. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying, God's given me a new life. Hey, man, for the cross. Hallelujah for the peace of God. Hallelujah for a God that has taught me how to transfer my focus from the carnal to the spiritual and help me to know Him in a deeper way. Where's your joy today, church? Where's your smile today? Hey, where's the life today spiritually that tells the world? Can the world look at your life and say, man, I want me some of that? Or are they happier about their life than you are about yours? Where's the joy today? Paul said, man, I had to transfer my focus. I had to transfer it. There was a shift. Some of us need a shift in focus from the carnal to the spiritual. Your joy will never be full until you do that. He had to get rid of the carnal. He had to do something else. He had to get rid of something else. Man, you talk about a, a guy that had a past. Skip down to verse 13 of chapter 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, something else i got to do. i got to forget my past failures. Anybody else got some of those? Paul said, I'm never going to be the Apostle Paul that God wants me to, to be until I forget my past failures. The devil will use your past to keep you bogged down your entire Christian life if you let him. Paul said, I've, I've got I've to forget my past failures and, and focus on future victories, amen? Hey, aren't you glad, church, that it's not how you start but how you finish for God? Boy, I'm thankful for that one. He said, I've got to forget my past failures. Hey, maybe some of you in here today need to do the same thing. 
He knew God would help him overcome his past failures. I, I think about my son. And I've been praying for him. And by the way, I know a lot of y'all have prayed for him. And hallelujah, he's a year and three months sober. Yes. Thank God for that. He's got a job. He's being a good dad. Now, it's, it's steps. After seven years of drug addiction, he's not super Christian, trust me. Neither am I. And, and my next prayer for him is that he'll reconnect spiritually. It takes time to come out of that. But I'm really praying that the next step in his life is that he'll connect with a local church and, and reconnect with God. Because I believe my son's saved. You say, Brother Butch, can someone be a drug addict and be saved? You bet. Amen. You want to know how I believe my son's saved? Because when I was broken about his drug addiction, he and I literally, God did this for me. You ever, God ever do something just for you? Amen. Isn't that good? One night I was laying in my bed. It was probably middle of the night and I was worried about my son I said man I, because I was worried he's going to die and I said Lord I just I don't know if he's even saved Lord I, I'm just afraid he's going to not only you know lose his life here Lord I, I don't know if my son's going to go to heaven about that time my phone rang it was my son man this is in the middle of the night of course for him back in that stage he was up all night anyway but he called me. He said, hey, Dad, he was fixing to get married to Callie, and they're not together anymore, but he said, hey, Dad, he said, Callie's asking me a lot of questions about our faith. When I told her you was a preacher, she started asking me all kind of questions about Jesus. He said, would you talk to her for me? And I hung up the phone, and I said, God just gave me peace about my son's salvation. You know why? I've studied the Bible from one end to the other. Lost people don't have a burden for lost people. My son had a burden for his wife, and he was in the middle of a drug addiction. He said, Brother Butch, what do you, I think God did that for me. He said, hey, everything's okay with his soul. But I worry about him. You know why? Because I think the devil's going to use his past to try to keep him down. Hey, worse than that, I think there's going to be people to try to use his past to keep him down. Some of them may be in God's people. I don't know. God, help us today to pray for those that have a past like that, that to realize that, hey, God's not going to hold their past against them, so I'm sure not, amen? And I'm praying that God will help him get over his guilt, hey, and his shame. And I'm praying God will help him get over the fact that he's lost his family and he's lost his kids. Hey, there's some scars that come with this stuff, but I'm praying God will help him to get over his past and help him to reach some future victories in his life. Amen, church? Because they're out there. We're talking about the Apostle Paul here. We're talking about a man that hated God, that hated the church, that, that held the coats of those who murdered Stephen. I mean, this guy, hey, he was against Jesus. I, I say this all the time. I, I think the greatest accomplishment in Paul's life, what God did in Paul's life, I know he wrote about half the New Testament and is an amazing Christian after God saved him, but I think the greatest thing God did in his life was help him overcome his past. I do. Man, you're talking about a past. And I said, you know what? If God can help Paul overcome his past and reach for the prize, he can help my son too, amen? I know he can. I know my son's got some future victories. I know my son's got some dates out there that God has planned, where God will bring to fruition once again a, a spiritual connection. I know they're out there. If I can just help my son focus on the prize, like Paul said, to reach forth and forget the past, I know they're out there for him. But I'm going to tell you something. Hey, joy, there's no joy in looking at the past. Paul said, I had to forget that stuff. If you want your joy level to be right, you've got to forget the failures of the past. And then he said, you got to reach for the prize. Press toward the mark. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, he said, I press. You know what that means? 
That means it ain't going to be easy. Amen? That press, that word there in the Greek means to struggle. Hey, it's a battle, ain't it, Brother Ray? It's a fight. It's a struggle. You make the commitment today to say, hey, I want to reach a new level of joy in my life by knowing him in a deeper way, by winning him, by being found in him. Paul said, buckle up, because you're going to have to press toward this mark. It ain't going to come easy. Hey, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. But yet today, God's people throw in the towel the first time something negative happens to them. We quit. Where's the joy today? Hey, this stuff ain't easy to come by. We make it sound so we sugarcoated, hey, get saved and you'll have joy and peace the rest of your life. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says salvation is free, but joy and peace are cultivated in a life devoted to God. We want it easy, don't we? That ain't the way you get this stuff. You've got to want this stuff. There's got to be some desire there for this stuff. You've got to be willing to press toward the mark, to seek Him in a deeper way, to dedicate yourself, to shift your focus from the carnal to the spiritual. Press toward the mark. You've got to say, Lord, I'm going to press toward the mark of a strong Christian marriage. I'm going to press toward the mark of being a godly father because it's not easy. I'm going to press toward the mark of being a good co-worker and the right testimony. I'm going to press toward the mark of loving my enemies and praying for those who despitefully use me. This stuff ain't easy. You're going to have to press on. God says if you do those things, I'll raise your level of joy. He'll give you a joy. The Bible says it's unspeakable and full of glory. Some of you have never had that. Some of you can't remember the last time you had that much joy in your life. Say, Brother Butch, how do you get that? Well, Paul teaches us. You've got to shift from the carnal to the spiritual. You've got to forget your past failures and reach for the prize. Say, Brother Butch, what's the prize? What is the prize? Well, let's look on. Because I believe this is the prize in verse 15. Let us therefore as many as be, what, church? Perfect. Be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I believe the prize is spiritual maturity. I do. And I, as a pastor and someone that's been counseling Christians for a long time and in my own life, the fact of the matter is, a lot of God's people never grow up. Just never become, the Bible uses the word perfect. That word just means mature. It doesn't mean sinless. It means mature. Paul said, I'm pressing toward the mark of maturity in Christ, of growing in Christ, of growing in my faith, growing in my joy. Are you growing today, Christian? I'm going to tell you, one of the ways you can monitor your joy, if you're not growing, your joy is going to start going down. These things kind of run together. Growing in grace and learning and growing spiritually, it, it, runs, it coincides with growing in joy. I believe that. I believe that's what he's teaching us here. Rejoice in the Lord, church. You want peace in your life? I think it starts with learning how to maintain a high level of joy growing spiritually and shooting for that prize, that mark, he says, of perfection or spiritual maturity. What else does he give us here? These other three I'm going to give you are, are really just supplemental because they, they support the context of the message. Verse 5 says this in chapter 4, Let your moderation be known to all men. Let your moderation be known to all men. Now, when we hear the word moderation, we think of this. Eat in moderation. Amen? I tell you, eat in moderation. Now, that don't apply to Little Debbie snack cakes. Let me just say that. Those are healthy. First ingredient in one of our apple fried pies is corn syrup and corn's a vegetable. Amen? I don't care what anybody says. Don't eat those in moderation. 
I got a girl in college and two still living at home, and I'm 52. I have lost my mind. I just now thought about that. No, moderation and what the Bible's teaching us here is really a twofold meaning. If you study that word out, it, it means mildness. Moderation is mildness slash meekness. And then it does, there's a, there's a secondary meaning that says to avoid extremes. So what's God? God says, let your moderation be known to all men. But what he's teaching us there, I believe, is not only should we be meek and gentle towards all men, all men, amen? But I think one of the lessons here that will help us find this peace is to avoid extremes when it comes to our emotions. I really believe that. I believe, I believe one of the traps of the devil today is to control your emotions. Hey, I'm talking about anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Paul said, hey, let your moderation be known unto all men. We need to learn to avoid emotional extremes in our life. There's going to be days that you cry. There's going to be days that you're angry. There's going to be days that you're bitter. But they shouldn't hang around very long. Amen. Amen, preacher. One of, the, one of the reproaches today among God's people is that we get mad and we stay mad. Hey, we, we're unforgiving and we stay that way. Hey, church, I'm telling you, you can, you can have a bad day, but you shouldn't have a bad month. Amen. We should avoid emotional extremes, up and down, hot and cold, in and out. Hey, where's the Christian today? That'll stand up and say, hey, it ain't easy. I'm going to have my hiccups, but I'm going to live an overall consistent life for God. I believe that's what moderation is. Just overall, steady Eddie. Oh, you have your moments, but overall, steady Eddie. We've got to get away from this roller coaster. I call it pregnancy Christianity. Amen. I remember my wife was pregnant. Man, it was amazing. I mean, I would experience, I mean, I'm serious. I would experience happiness, anger, bitterness, resentment, and joy all within about two minutes. I mean, it was a plethora of emotions in like a two-minute span. We laugh about that, but that's how God's people are today. Up and down, hot and cold, in and out. Hey, let's just learn to be steady, Eddie, amen? Hey, I'm in today and I'm in to stay. I'm going to have my bad moments, my bad days, but I'm going to learn moderation in my life because God says when you have moderation in your life and all men notice it, hey, it'll affect your joy, it'll affect your testimony, it'll affect your ability to win someone. Moderation. That's a good old-fashioned word that we need in our life. Do you have that today? Or if you were honest, would you have to say, man, I'm, I struggle with that one, preacher. I, man, I'm up and down. I struggle with it. I, I'm in and out. God, give us a consistent testimony in our behavior, how we treat others, how we speak to others. Give us some discipline in our life to control our emotions, God, our anger, our resentment, our jealousy. Give us some discipline in our life so that our kids won't see us fall apart every time something bad happens in our life, but they'll see our faith and they'll notice our consistency, church. That's what they need. That's what they need. Do you have moderation? Do you have that today? I'm thankful for people in this auditorium that I've seen moderation. I've seen their faith. I've seen them not fall apart when tragedy strikes. I've seen them not give up when the trials are severe. I've seen them keep going when the burdens are heavy. I want them to know. I think about Miss Karina and Miss Jamie who both lost spouses at a young age. And I want them to know. I probably never said anything to them, but I noticed their faith. I noticed the fact that they kept serving God. I noticed the fact that they had some consistency in their life even after a tragedy. And you know what else? Hey, this is more important than me noticing it. Their children noticed it. Guarantee you that. 
Hey, do you have moderation today? I'm telling you, it'll help you with peace. This stuff goes in order. Look at verse 6. It says, did I give you all the notes for that one? Did I? I don't know if I did or not. If you needed the notes for that one, under moderation, the first one is this. This describes an attitude of meekness and the ability to avoid extremes emotionally and spiritually. Consistency in your walk with God is always the best testimony. Number three, two more to go and we'll be done, and these are really short. Verse six says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. This is one of my favorite ones because this one's where I struggled for years. But what that verse is really saying in layman's terms is stop worrying and start praying. That's what that Bible, that's what it's teaching us right there. Be careful for nothing. I used to read that and say, man, what's that mean? That, that sounds like you shouldn't be concerned for nothing. Amen? You should just... But, but what he's teaching us there is to learn to live a carefree life for God. That's how we're supposed to live. But some of you are like me. You struggle with worry. You struggle with anxiety. And praise God, he's helped me with that. God's helped me with that. I, I'm thankful for that today. I used to worry about everything, but, but God has really brought me a long ways in that area. But if you're here today and worry grips your heart, hey, if you get up every day with fear and worry in your life, God says, stop worrying and start praying. He says, if you'll do that, there's some peace coming later. Man, I used to worry about everything. And God used, that, God used that passage. I can't remember if it's in James or, or Luke. I think it may be in Luke where he said, Consider the ravens and consider the lilies. He said, Who among you can add one inch to his stature by being anxious about it? You may be five foot three and worry to death that you ain't five four. God said it ain't going to change a thing. You're going to get up tomorrow and be five three. Amen? So I think in your notes is this, worry is a waste of time and will not change anything. Amen? And I wonder sometimes how many, how many hours I wasted with worry and anxiety. The second one is this, prayer, on the other hand, is an investment of time and can change everything. You know what I think sometimes? If I had taken all the hours and days that I worried and invested those in prayer, I think I'd be closer to God than I am today. Amen? If I, had, if I had taken all the hours that I worried about my son and prayed for him, I think I'd be a lot closer to God today. <coughs> if I took all the hours that I, that I wasted worried about my finances and, and invested them in praying for my finances, that's what he's teaching us, church. If you're here today and you waste too much time worrying, God said, consider the ravens. If you study that out, you'll find the, the raven is a non-predatory bird that, that can't feed itself. God has to provide grubs for it. And, I mean, the raven gets up every day and says, Lord, I'm not going to make it without you. I'm not going to survive without you. God, I can't get through one day without you. God says, that's how I want you to live. I don't care how much money you have, how secure you are. You need to get up every day and say, Lord, I'm not going to survive without you. And God, boy, the worry just goes away. Some of y'all need to get victory over that. Because you're not going to have, hey, you can't, it's hard to have joy if you're a worry wart. It's hard to have peace if you're, if you're anxious. What about you? Stop worrying and start praying. You know what I learned when it comes to worrying? When I worry, what I'm really saying is I don't trust you, Lord. I'm really just saying, Lord, I don't trust you on this one. I can't depend on you. That's really what I'm saying. God, help me to let go. God, help me to trust him. Because it'll... it'll It'll quench your joy. 
It'll quench your peace. You can be saved to the uttermost and not have any joy or any peace in your life if you have anxiety. Is that something you need help with today? God, help me to learn to live a carefree life, not an unconcerned life, not a, a, a non-cautious life, but a carefree life. Instead of worry and pray. Lastly today, I believe peace is sustained with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, you want peace? You can't just get up. He's got a pattern here. He's got a, a, a formula. I believe we've got to learn to rejoice. I believe we've got to learn to have a full heart of joy. Hey, I believe we've got to learn moderation, consistent Christian living. Hey, I believe we've got to quit worrying and start praying. And then lastly today, I believe you've got to be thankful. This stuff all goes together. You can't have one without the other. You can be stronger in one than the other, but this stuff goes together, church. He said, then, then the peace of God. Hey, is that missing from your life? He said, with a heart of thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. <clears throat> you know, I found out this week in the book of Ephesians, Paul told the church at Ephesus, man, he, I think it's chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but he said, there, these sins should never be named among you. And he mentions adultery and jesting and filthy communication. Paul told the church at Ephesus, hey, you shouldn't be a part of this stuff. Adultery and fornication and filthy communication. It should never be once named among you. And that's still good preaching today. But he, out of all the stuff he said you should never be a part of, God told Paul, he said, but there's one thing that should characterize my people. And that's thankfulness. After two verses of sins, the very last little phrase says, but rather the giving of thanks. God says, if there's one thing I'm looking to characterize your life, is gratitude. And hey, we live in a culture today where that's missing. People just aren't thankful. Children aren't thankful, amen? I mean, that's just the truth. The Bible says in the last days... One of the signs of the last days is unthankfulness. And we've had a culture now of entitlement for so long, people think everybody owes them everything. Hey, I want you to know God don't owe you anything. It's by grace, amen? And I think we ought to be thankful for it. I think it ought to show up in our life, in our voice, in our actions. Are you thankful today? I'm telling you, there's a formula to this thing of peace. I mentioned earlier my son, and I know many of y'all prayed for him, and we celebrate today that he's doing better. But I made some mistakes with my son when he was growing up. I was a lot like Paul in that fact that I was real legalistic in my Christianity. I was judgmental. I'm just being transparent today. I condemned my son. I shamed him. As a pastor, when he fell off into drug addiction, I was embarrassed. I mean, I was wrong, church. And I really think today that, that part, of, part of the reason my son's not close to God is because of me. But what I've done differently with my other three, I've encouraged them all to develop and cultivate their own relationship with God. Mom and Dad, you need to be an example. You need, you need, they need to notice your faith. But your children, it is critical for your children to have their own relationship with Christ. They're not going to be able to live off your coattails. And God's helped me with that. And I believe I've, done, I believe I've been a better dad than my other three. I found Taylor's. I found one of Taylor's old, my daughter, one of her, her old diaries. Amen. I'm not being nosy. Amen. I'm just looking. Me and Thomas were talking. The first one in here said, I think my dad is nosy. No, I'm just <laughs> She didn't know I found this. She wouldn't care if I read this. August the 26th. I was reading in my Jesus Calling book today, and it was talking about trusting God through a hard day. 
from the little things to the big things. You can always have peace because God will always carry me through. August the 30th. Well, I guess I've been relieved lately. The Lord is just such a blessing and answers my prayers. He don't always, but sometimes he does. I have to remember to thank him verbally and by my actions. August 31st. I should really be more thankful. Not always expect my dad or my mom to give me everything I want. Well, two out of three ain't bad, amen. She's doing good on two of them. She's done reneged on that one. I can tell you that right now. She said, just learn to be more thankful. My son Logan's here today. I saw his Jesus Calling devotional one day. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you you can't give me a million bucks for this stuff. This is priceless. I want my kids to have joy and peace in their life. And I know they're going to have to cultivate their own relationship with God. Hey, is peace missing from your life with every head bowed and every eye closed? Peace may be missing from your life because you're lost. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you're here today and if you're honest, you'd say, you know what, I don't even know that I'm saved. Well, you can't have spiritual peace until you get saved. Maybe if you're honest in here today, you say, preacher, there's some things in my life that need some work. That peace you're talking about, man, I want that. But the fact of the matter is, my joy level is not what it ought to be. My joy level is just not what it ought to be. I came in here today on fumes, preacher. I've lost my smile. I'm not exuding that kind of joy that the world needs to see in my life. Hey, preacher, I need some moderation in my life. I need to get control of my emotions and live a more consistent life in front of my wife, in front of my husband, in front of my kids. I need to get it together. I need moderation. Hey, preacher, I need to quit worrying and start praying. God says if you do all that and then you have a grateful heart, He said then you can have peace that passes understanding. If God spoke to you today, church, about one of those areas, these altars are open for you. If you're lost today and you need to be saved, you come and take me by the hand. We'll take the Word of God and show you how you can know Jesus today as your personal Savior. Let's stand. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God. I look back at my life and I I see the ways you've helped me overcome anxiety. I, I thank you for giving me the strength to ask my son to forgive me. I pray you'd work in his life. I believe the next step for him is a spiritual connection at a local church. God, help that place to get in his path. I thank you for all my children and my wife, my grandkids. I I thank you today for the peace that passes understanding that I can pillow my head at night and no matter what's going on in this crazy world, I know Jesus so everything's all right. But God, I realize that it don't just happen. I need joy in my life. I need moderation. I need to quit worrying. And I need to be grateful. Bless this invitation. Do a work in your people. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen. Hey, if God spoke to you, come today, church. Some have already come. What about you? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
grace appear. The hour.